From Wall Street to Main Street, there are stories to be told. Where knowledge learned on the street is as powerful as knowledge learned on the streets. This is the Financial Recon Podcast, where we introduce you to the people, places, and things that have helped shape our environment and will help shape yours. Welcome to the conversation. Warren Buffett. His name is synonymous with investing, and the stories about him are seemingly endless. But one that doesn't make the rounds very often is about Warren Buffett, the minor league baseball owner. In this episode of Financial Recon, we sit down with Gary Green, owner of the now Omaha Storm Chasers Baseball Club and Union Omaha Soccer Club, as we discuss what it was like making a deal with one of the wealthiest men on the planet. Hey, Gary, nice to see you again. Uh, seems like a long time, but uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show and uh, talking about this uh, this fascinating topic that uh, we kind of got roped into on Twitter the other day. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure to be on and look forward to, uh, to speaking. Let's start off with, for folks who don't know, you own the Omaha Storm Chasers which in their prior incarnation was the Royals and the Golden Spikes. And am I missing any other names? I don't, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty well versed on the history, but I don't, I can't say I'm uh, I don't remember all of it, but I think that's right. <laughs> well, I, that's I, right. I only remember because I was, you know, that's when I was there in uh, Omaha. So I remember those, I still actually have a cup of the Golden Spikes, a plastic drinking cup. Yeah, that didn't, that name didn't last very long, did it? No, and I think that was right when Union Pacific. Did they own them for that time? Or something? yeah, it was it was a Union Specific related name, and I okay. think it lasted a season or two. Yeah, and wasn't wasn't very popular. You know, when you cut bait in a name after a season or two, you know it wasn't going well. Well, and for folks that don't know, Union Pacific's headquartered in Omaha, so you know the whole and it, train and thing. And it's how we got one of the reasons why we got our name Union Omaha for the soccer team. Oh, all right. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Did not know that. So we just learned something here. Um, so the, the thing I got to ask you is because like my first inclination when I got my orders to Omaha back in 19, I'm going to date myself here, 1998. I'm like, Omaha. Great. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. I, I knew that it was in the, as uh, the Counting Crows sang, it's someplace in the middle of America. What did you know about Omaha, you know, prior to owning the team? Zero, zero. <laughs> I, I got a call from uh, the broker who had gotten us involved in the Richmond Flying Squirrels deal. We moved the team from Norwich, Connecticut um, to Richmond. And he said, hey, I got a team out in Omaha, AAA Royals affiliate, new stadium. And this was the key. If you're interested, you can meet with Warren Buffett. So immediately I said, I don't know where Omaha is, but people pay $3 million for that meeting. So I'm interested. Immediately was on a flight um, to visit with Mr. Buffett. He was my first meeting ever in Omaha. And we um, had a great meeting. We spoke for 90 minutes, not about the deal, but about baseball. And he just really wanted to make sure I was a baseball fan first and foremost, and not strictly a businessman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, understanding it's a business, but he wanted somebody who loved the game, who wasn't going to flip it, and somebody who was going to be there for the long haul. And I didn't realize that day that I was being tested by him as really just the test was being a baseball fan, but I really was. Um, 
second trip there we landed and um it was a flood so i was like okay well this is going to be interesting and <laughs> just the roads were flooded we could barely get from the airport i was like okay we land in iowa we land in we land in nebraska then go through iowa and then back to nebraska and everything's flooded and what am i doing here uh and then you know everything smoothed out and as far as a new yorker who knows about omaha I, I would I would venture to say there's nobody in the city of New York that knows more um, that knows the Omaha market like like I do. Even people from <laughs> Omaha who I know. So um, I'm Omaha's biggest fan on the East Coast and in New York City. Well, I, I echo that. Um, people, it's it's a gem. And uh, you know, back in '98 when it felt like a million miles away for me, now it feels like it's a simple hop, skip, and a jump, and you're there. And I know that there was always talk about that whole stadium and, you know, you, you were at Rosenblatt and then, you know, they were talking about moving it somewhere along Ashland and ultimately to where Werner Park is now. Um, was that deal already sealed with Buffett and the prior ownership team? Or is that something you guys cemented before you bought the no, team? I, I personally did not. Um, uh, the prior ownership group and and Marty Cordero, who's our team uh, president, um, really solidified that. I had nothing mm-hmm. to do with that. I know that they. Uh, the story goes that they were set up for a downtown stadium, and then the NCAA got wind of it and kind of hopped in. Um, Omaha wanted the Storm Chasers to play at TD Ameritrade, mm-hmm. uh, with the caveat that they couldn't play there the entire month of June, and. <laughs> To have a 25 or 20, uh, 24,000 person stadium and, you know, you sure you have a big attendance on July 3rd, July 4th. Right. But really, that's too much for a minor league stadium. It, it would, wasn't the right fit. So the Storm Chasers almost left Omaha. They almost went to Texas. And, uh, and then um, there was a random run in at the airport in Sarpy County. Um, Alan Stein and um, and somebody from the Sarpy County um, uh, Commissioner's Office, and and that's what that's what kept them in. That's what kept us in in Omaha. But you know, it just would have been impossible. The NCAA is very difficult to deal with, um, and you know, minor league baseball is hard enough that you really we wanted to be the primary tenant in our building. We didn't want all mm-hmm. these limitations, and I think it was a great decision at the time it was a big risk to push out into the suburbs. But as we've seen in Omaha, so much of the population is pushing West that downtown's kind of empty on most nights. And especially that area around TD is very empty. I don't think the population has, has happened there like they had planned. Right. And uh, so I think the push out West while at the time probably seemed pretty risky now seems like a great decision. Oh, I think you guys did a, I think it was a great move because everybody's moving yeah. along the 370 that that push out towards that intersection is a fantastic. Um Yeah, absolutely. Specifically, it's a shame that Conagra ultimately left that headquarters in Omaha, but that would have been a great place for a downtown stadium, but I I remember all the drama with, you know, the NCA holding up the city for that new TD ballpark and and, and it basically what you're telling me is the same problems that the Royals storm chasers had at Rosenblatt because you had a huge stadium 
there were times there were a thousand people there and it just dilutes yeah. the value yeah. to co- compare yeah, 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 and the yeah. experience was nothing like what you got now. I mean, I, I'll say that hands down. Having For minor league baseball. Yes. For the college world series. And I never was able to attend in Rosenblatt. Uh, it oh, felt, it's fantastic. Every, everything fit, feels like a combination of Fenway and Wrigley to me. Whenever I read about it, see video and pictures. And, you know, look, the NCA wanted a new building and they wanted a, you know, better TV product. And that just falls in line with everything that's currently happening. It's all about content. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they did in effect was, was strip away the uniqueness of the college world series and kind of turned it into a vanilla live event. Um, and, but made it a great, much better content event and content is king as we know and <laughs> and i understand the reasons for it but um the kind of uniqueness of it and a lot of the fun of it got stripped away as well I, is, uh, yeah. is is my conclusion even though i've never been well rosenblatt i went numerous times i mean you bought a ticket book for from the booster clubs for what sixty dollars you got to go to 10 games growing up uh, we're we Gary and I have this in common. We're both Mets and Giants fans. Uh, I mean, the if you said to me I could go to a Mets game for ten games for sixty bucks, I'd be like, yeah. yeah. I mean, now hell that yeah. costs me that to go <laughs> just in tolls. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. But it's so interesting. Like when I got there about ten years ago, it was all about the College World Series, and it just come from Rosenblatt, and and it was all about Nebraska football. And in the past 10 years, I, you know, college world series is still so important to, you know, the out of town kids that come and, um, and they, you know, come follow their teams. And I think it's important to the folks that, that live there too. I, I just feel like it's become a little less important because Rosenblatt's gone away and, and Nebraska football has just become less important because they've been just so I, I'm not, I'm not going to say uneven because that puts it too mildly. They've just been bad. Yeah. And, um, and it's interesting how that's, that's how I've seen that shift happen over the past decade, along with, you know, the push out West. So, so things, when you're someplace long enough, you really get to see the trends. And after a decade there, that's kind of the, the sports trend that I see. So, you know, obviously we're talking about the stadiums and everybody, I'm sure this will pop into people's minds. Warren Buffett was, owner of the team why didn't he just build them a new stadium that's that's not the way that's not the way he operates i I could say that that buffett is about global initiatives when it comes to charity and he is so generous right but and i'm sure and he's done he's done projects um locally as well and and you know we have the bob gibson statue in front that he was a big part of and 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 cl warner was too um but that's just not the way that's just not what he spent his charity money on. And I think what he did is he held these Royals slash storm chasers long enough. He wanted to make sure there was a tenant at Rosenblatt because mm-hmm. if there was a tenant in Rosenblatt, the upkeep would happen. And if the upkeep would happen, the college world series would, would stay there and knew how important the college world series was to Omaha. So you could say in effect, you know, and people don't realize it that Buffett helped to keep the college world series in Omaha by keeping the lights on Rosenblatt open because of his ownership and the storm chasers. Okay. So, and when TD got built, when TD Ameritrade got built, the need for him to own it, to keep the team in Omaha went away. His civic duty went away. So he didn't sell it because he thought it was the right time to sell an investment or sell high or sell low. 
he he sold it because his commitment to the community as far as keeping the lights on at Rosenblatt had now ended. And so uh, I, don't, I don't think a lot of people realize that. So in meeting with him, I asked him if he could stay in the deal. You know, it, it, it's, um, you know, people from Omaha want to see somebody like you own a piece of the team. I'm a New Yorker. And I remember this. It was one of our meetings. He leaned forward and said to me, you may own the team, but this team belongs to the people of Omaha and Sarpy County. And I'll never forget that because he, he was right. And that's the thing about owning a baseball team is you own a private entity that you're in charge of. But it's it's also like a public company, like a public utility that everybody's got an opinion on how you're running <laughs> business, no matter how big or small. And as the Mets know, are I, finding out now, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have I have a cleaning company that's probably, you know, 30 times the size of the baseball company. But, you know, nobody you know, you don't read opinions about your company in the newspaper or on social media. You just run your business. This, you know, so it's it's interesting. You're always you always. Yeah, the last time I tweeted at you to yeah. say at City Field, you know, it's a mess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's clean. It better be clean because we do the cleaning there. So <laughs> no, I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's clean. We do we do a good job, and we love the new ownership group of Steve Cohn and and you know his group, and you know we we're going to be there for a long time. No, that's awesome. So. When you had this meeting with uh, Mr. Buffett, was there were there any like specific like baseball? I mean, obviously, you, you just mentioned that that awesome piece of information about him, you know, kind of doing his civic duty. Was there anything else that like kind of struck out, uh, stuck out to you during that meeting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he talked about his dad taking him to his first uh, Cardinals game. He's a big Cardinals fan. Okay. Um, he had some great Stan Musial stories about his time with him, Bob Gibson, about his time with him. Um, I talked about my dad taking me to my first game at Chase Stadium. And you know, I lived down the street from Tug McGraw. So we spoke about our baseball stories and our love of the game. Um, and we walked around his office. Uh, I looked at his memorabilia collection. He had some questions about, you know, I don't know who this autograph is. People bring me gifts all the time. <laughs> in, hint, hint. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. And so um, it was just we walked around and and I felt very comfortable sitting in his chair after 90 seconds of sitting there. He just made me feel like I was talking to an older guy who loved baseball and we were sharing stories. And it was awesome. It was I mean, we probably had about 10 meetings after that. Uh, but that first one really, um, really was special. Um, and I said hint, hint, because when I got home. I, fr- I had the Mets original scorecard from the first game ever in 1962 at the oh, old wow. Bush stadium in, um, in St. Louis. I framed it and um, put a little plaque on it and said, you know, Mr. Mr. Buffett, this is for you. Thanks so much for selling me the team. That couldn't have hurt him selling me the team. <laughs> and he sent me a letter back, which I have framed, which is pure gold, you know, probably better, better, more valuable than the scorecard that I sent. And, um, and, um, and, it, you know, he has it in his office. So that felt really good to give the man, you know, one of the top, you know, probably the top capitalists of our generation and one of the five richest men in the world to give him something that he didn't have was pretty cool. Yeah, that, that is pretty, pretty sick. One of the things I got to ask, and I'm not asking like necessarily financially related, but outside of just, you know, keeping the team in Omaha, what were some of the terms of his deal with you? 
Um, well, the terms, let's see, the term, we, we assumed the lease. Um, we assumed the big capital payment that was due on the lease a year later. I uh, can't get into specific numbers. No, no. But no, no, um, no, no, it no. was, uh, you know, Branch Ricky Jr. was the president of the Pacific Coast League. Yep. And a deal fell through with somebody else beforehand. And they really needed somebody quickly to buy the team um, because the managing partner was in the middle of a divorce and it just needed to happen quickly. Um, and so I had met Branch Ricky Jr. Another cool story. I brought him to City Field for his first game ever there. And oh, I wow. introduced Branch Ricky Jr. to the Jackie Robinson Rotunda. Oh, so, that's awesome. And, you know, I'm there and Branch is looking at pictures of his grandfather. And he looks just like his grandfather. Talking about Branch. So, yeah. So when the opportunity came up in the Pacific Coast League, um, he called me and helped make that happen. So that was uh, that that was great. Yeah, and you were saying you took him into the Jackie Robinson Rotunda, um, and I, I was just saying, like, he he is a spitting image of his grandfather. I mean, yeah, it yeah. is. It is another scary. another cool Ro- Jackie Robinson Rotunda story is um, uh, before the opening game. Um, I was in the, the the Rotunda before the game started, before gates were open, and Fred Wilpon came walking through with uh, Rachel Robinson oh, nice. and showing, showing her. And then we walked up to his suite and they were still laying the carpet down. Like the game was going to start in five or six hours. <laughs> and it was the first time I was in Fred Wilpon's suite with him. The first time he saw his suite. So that was cool <laughs> with Jack, with, with, with Rachel Robinson. <laughs> that is pretty neat. That is, yeah. that is real. And they've and the stadiums come such a long way since then. I mean, to be more, yeah. Mets friendly. What did it mean to you and your ownership group to have Warren's endorsement? Oh, I mean, at the time it was huge. I mean, at, at the time it was, it was huge. Um, and, um, you know, he introduced me at the press conference. I asked him to um, just to show you what kind of guy he is. It was like a hundred degrees at Warner park. We were doing the press conference outside and I was like, you know what, I'm going to show up 50, minutes before it starts. I want to make sure I'm there when Mr. Buffett gets there. And I know it's hot, but I want to be there. Anyway, he was there 45 minutes before. So he beat me by 30 (laughs) minutes. And um, this is in a true Omaha kind of Midwest, oh shucks moment. He introduced me like he had known me his whole life. And if you go back and look at the press coverage, he said something like, it's been 21 years since somebody not from Omaha owned the team. And, um, and it doesn't get me better than, than this fella. I think he said, <laughs> and, oh, nice. and that was just like, that was awesome. And it was just, uh, it, it just set the tone for how I feel about the fans and the people of the Midwest and how they feel about me. It really set the tone. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's a heck of an endorsement from Mr. Omaha himself. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, does he still make it out to games or once a year he makes it and I missed him. Um, he was there two days ago on Sunday and I have a newborn now. I have a nine month old, so I needed oh, to run congrats. back to spend some time. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I'm 56 years old. I have a newborn, so go figure. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, yeah, so I missed him, but such great, such great memories with him. I'll tell you another funny story with him in one of my meetings with him. Um, probably one of the other ones besides the one I just talked about. Um, he, uh, 
my fiance at the time was there and she was waiting in the waiting room and he comes out and she wanted a picture with him for her social media and he pulls out his wallet and he says, Hey, here, hold this. And he's like, Gary, take a picture. And they're both holding his wallet. And he said, you know, in complete deadpan, this is what I call my Anna Nicole Smith shot. <laughs> so, so fast forward a couple of years ago, A-Rod and J-Lo are meeting with him. And I see that J-Lo took a picture with him and she took the same exact picture with him. So that's his <laughs> like, that's his thing. That's his calling card for beautiful young women, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's uh, he's got that pose. I mean, he's done it probably a timer. Oh, yeah. He's, pen, done, right? he's done a lot. He's done a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the one one of my favorite memories is when I was in a uh, airman leadership school, you know, they used to have Berkshire night at uh, Rosenblatt when he bring everybody out. And I remember they, we were trying to raise money for charities. That was one of our things. And they're like, do you want to work this day or this day? And I'm like, Berkshire <laughs> night, of course. Right? <laughs> and we raised a ton of money, but um, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, I know he used to bring everyone out to, the uh the black mm-hmm. are you guys ever considering bringing back that berkshire night when the storm chasers are in town or it's really up to berkshire i think they just do a small they just do a suite every year okay. so you know we have we have so many other great um companies that are growing companies oh, yeah. that have yeah. kind of replaced that between um warner warner enterprises is like just the best partner to have um centris which yep. is a large uh, credit union um, look, once you start naming names, you you start messing up. But, uh, you know, uh, Pinnacle Bank, uh, Mutual of Omaha. Uh, oh, yeah. Omaha's you know, got a Pepsi. ton of great ones. Yeah. I mean, Omaha's got more Fortune 1000 companies per capita than any other city in the country. And mm-hmm. so yeah, on a business side, the interesting part about that is, you know, from an ROI perspective, a lot of times we can't move the needle. They're so big. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like the small. Well, they would mom, pack mom, it. Hot. Like they yeah. were, like you said, July 3rd or 4th, it would be sold out 24,000 people. But uh, Yeah, but but the community aspect of it, I mean, there's just uh, people love Omaha. They want to invest in the community. And, mm-hmm. you know, Mutual of Omaha came out to a soccer game. Keith Clark came out to a soccer game last year, took one look, and within a minute said, we need to be here. And so um, it's just it's just great. And we're, we're, we're making um, a big dent into that. Um, into that uh, that Fortune 1000, those companies, mm-hmm. and showing them how important it is to be in the community. Yeah, and I, I didn't mean it like you guys like are miss. I'm just saying like it was amazing yeah. how many people no, came no. out. Like no, no, we we like need that. you know we need uh, you know just Ber- Berkshire's not doing that anymore. But w- there are meatpacking companies that oh, yeah. you know will bring out you know we, before before Delta variant came. You know, there's a meatpacking company that was going to bring two thousand people to a soccer game. So you know, I I love I love the business community of Omaha. And the individual fans, it's just a great combination. Oh, I, I agree. It's it's amazing. So I gotta ask, is there any chance we're gonna see you guys retire the infamous one sixteenth number? <laughs> That's uh oh, I, it's never come up in a meeting. Okay. I have a jersey, <laughs> I have a jersey somewhere here that uh that has the one sixteenth, but no, that has not come up. We did name the boardroom after Buffett. Oh yeah. It. I did see yeah. that the yeah. last time yeah. I was out at the park. 
it just uh it's just such a unique you know typical buffett ism that it just seems like you know it'd be something coming down the road at some point um yep. awesome well thanks a lot for sharing all those stories gary I, I really appreciate it and um you know i'm glad that we kind of stumbled into this conversation on twitter so you could share these awesome memories about things oh i got a boatload of stories maybe i should write a book one day <laughs> hey you know you're in a good place right new york right so <laughs> no absolutely the, the, the same month i met, met with buffett i partied with richard branson that same month <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so that's another story i went to branson's necker island and i remember um partying with richard branson the same trip i did shots tequila shots with sally field so i I did tequila shots with the flying nun, you know, with Gidget, <laughs> with Gidget and the flying nun. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, I should write a book one day, I guess, of all the uh, cool. And then baseball guys, you know, when they tell stories, the more they tell them, the more embellished they get. That's just the baseball. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, you know, at the all-star game in Charlotte, I got to hang out with Wally Backman. So I know what you're talking about. One thing about Wally, Wally is, I, I I agree with your tweet. What you said, Wally, should be the next manager of the Mets, and because people would run through a wall for the guy. And plus, you know, he's managed so many of these guys at, at the minor league level. Yeah. You know, we at the Royals. You know, we Royals brought up Mike Jershley to be a third base coach. Yeah, and from and Jersh was the manager for this core group of guys that won that made the world series in 14 won it in 15 it's like that wasn't by accident that to have that kind of that person there who they've won with and and you know it's great about the royals that all those guys in 14 and 15 they got promoted as a group so they learned right. how to win together through the different levels and jersh was there to win with them through those levels and it was awesome that they made him third base coach uh and and did that and you know, that steadiness and that, that comfortability and familiarity is all you it, it can make a difference in baseball. And it did, they, they won it all in 15 and, and 14. And those were, those were teams like with no true number one starter, right. With a bunch of guys with chemistry and athleticism and just, just really impressive. And, and I don't know if you've spent any time or gotten to know Dayton more at all from, from, um, just, uh, I, I remember when they hired him. Yeah. I mean, that was Dayton's a great the, move. Dayton's the best. Dayton is, you know, I, I don't, I haven't spoken to him in, in a uh, little bit of time just because of COVID. I'm going to see him this Sunday um, at our game, our last game of the season. But he's a guy that talk about running through brick walls. His, his players love him and it's all about makeup with him. If you don't have the make right makeup and you've got talent, but you don't have the right makeup, he, you're not his guy. He won't draft. You're not his and, guy. And, and it's just so funny. I'm, I'm drifting the Kansas City history here. Well, one that they had, a, they put together that team that beat the Mets, right? <laughs> and, um, yeah, talk about that was torture for me because uh, you know I'm friends with the guys in the Mets side. I'm friends with the guys in the, the Royals side. I got a ring through the Royals, and I wear the, I wear that ring proudly because I'm part of the organization, but. First time in 30 years for each team. Why couldn't they just stagger it a little bit? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when like they had Sher John Sherholtz, people don't re remember that. Sherholtz built a lot of those team, those early 80s teams with the Royals. Mm -hmm. And he left the, and did what he did with the Braves. And then they went back to the Braves and picked a Sherholtz Dayton. mentee. Yeah. 
to get Dayton yep. and then yeah. they became so it's it's weird how things come full circle like that, you know, and uh I I just I think it's awesome and I'm I'm glad that they did the thirty for thirty on the eighty six team and the only thing I'll say is man Lenny. <laughs> he uh yeah. Lenny was great. Lenny, Lenny, I mean, Lenny, Lenny was just Lenny. <laughs> Lenny's like Lenny's like a straight up criminal. <laughs> you know, but he was I thought he was great. I mean, there's criminals and there's guys who, you know, steal their mother's credit card number to get a private plane. Like that's what he did. That's how bad he that's how oh, bad I mean, he is. I I'll just I'll just end it with this because this this was so cool. Was that when I was traveling last week, so I didn't get to watch it when it aired, but I was watching it this weekend when I got home mm-hmm. and my son had a baseball game uh Friday night. And he gets up with two outs and he comes home and he says to or he said to my wife, he goes, I'm not going to make the last, the last out, you know, like they said it. Cause I always tell him about the 86 game six. And he says, I'm not going to make the last out. He gets a hit to RB. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Bill Robinson story. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So yeah. that was awesome. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate you sharing all this stuff and I uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. To continue the conversation, visit us at our blog, financial-recon.com. Appearances do not constitute endorsement of flagship wealth management group, LPL Financial, or any other entity discussed in this program. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax or legal advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific situation with a qualified tax or legal advisor. Gary Green and the Omaha Storm Chasers and Union Omaha are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Flagship Wealth Management Group.